this week on Twip Weddings, turning the off-season into on-season. We share some advice and strategies for using your downtime effectively to work on your business when you're not busy working in the business. Plus, we answer another listener question and our picks of the week. And welcome back to another episode of Twip Weddings. Once again, this is uh, Bruce Clark, and I am joined in the co-host chair by Mr. Robert Evans and Mr. Brian Capricci. Hey, guys. Welcome back. What are you hello. been up to? Hello. Hello, hello. The boys are back. What's new? Brian, what's what's new in your world? Oh, the last podcast I recorded from a bedroom at a condo we were at in Florida. And so I'm uh, back here in my studio now. So it's nice to be back. It's always nice to have some time away with the family. And, um, you know, like I mentioned, I think last week I have a studio manager now that's running the studio and helping with that stuff. So the business kept going while I was away, which was nice. But I'm back now to cold Canada and ready for Christmas. Fantastic. Excellent. And Robert, how about you? What's new in your world? As you can see by my background, I am not in my usual location, so it is my turn this week to travel. So <laughs> I happen to be sitting in my in-laws' dining room. Very nice. Looks very vintage. Yes, yes. And uh, so, yeah, I've just uh, been traveling this week. It's been great. Uh, took some good appointments. I'm excited about that. But I am looking forward to getting home uh, as we are about what, five, six days in front of Christmas? Yeah. And uh, at the time right now, and uh, just looking forward to seeing the family and doing nothing. Excellent. <laughs> and you, Bruce? Oh, it's uh, it's been actually really crazy busy in my world here. Um, I'm uh, just finished, well, we did it a little while ago. So over the summer, um, I worked on a, putting a video course together with uh, my friend Darlene Hildebrandt. She runs mm-hmm. Digital Photo Mentor, and she's been, uh, she's been on a, a frequent uh, guest on TWIP with Frederick. So her and I uh, worked on a video course. We both teach at the same photography school here in the city at the Burwell School. And she had an idea of putting together a video course on portrait lighting using natural like available light, but then also off-camera flash. So sort of using, you know, showing how to use both. So she brought me in to do the off-camera flash portions of the course and she did all the natural light pieces. So we, we put it all together and shot it and filmed it over uh, the summer. And then had it all put together, and then it finally, uh, we finally kind of officially launched it uh, just a few weeks ago. So That's I recently cool. kind of, yeah, I blogged about it on my website, and uh, people can go there and check the course out. It's about six hours in total. Um, nice. We go through kind of the, the you know the basics all the way through to some advanced sort of like three four light setups with off camera flash. We go out on location and do some shooting, and then there's about a PDF that they get with the course. It's about 240 pages of like cheat notes and, and, you know, different things. And then there's also a quiz so they can go online as they go through each module and take a quiz just to check their comprehension and stuff. So it was, it was a fun project to work on. So we just kind of got that launched officially a few weeks ago. So that was felt good to get out the door. So that's very cool. Yeah. Other than that, just, uh, yeah, gearing up for Christmas like you guys. I've got a couple of weddings still between now and the new year. So I've still got a few weddings over the holiday season, which is good. And, and then, uh, yeah, and then January. So. And then it'll, then it'll slow down maybe a little bit. And that's part of today's, part of t- today's discussion, uh, a little bit is, uh, you know, turning off season into on season. And we're going to get into that a little, in a little bit in our main discussion. But first, uh, we've got our couple of our regular segments. So, uh, first we want to start out with our, uh, picks of the week segment. So each week, uh, you know, we'll pick a photography related item that we think would be a benefit for other wedding photographers and, our pick can be anything as long as it is somehow related to photography or the business of photography. So who wants to go first? Who's ready with their pick this week? I'll Maybe. go. Robert? Um, okay. So my pick this week 
um, since we are going to talk about what to do in the off season and maybe changing up workflows or marketing or uh, so I kind of picked something that was workflow related and I feel like this is something that everybody knows about but I surprisingly mentioned it to people and they don't know about it so uh, mine is photo mechanic uh, by camera bits and uh, it's basically I use it does many things but I use photo mechanic specifically to call my jobs or my images um, it loads raw files in a blink and, you know, I go through and I tag, I happen to edit in, meaning I tag everything that I like instead of what I don't like. So mathematically, it's quicker. So I go through and I tag everything that I do like. And then I just transfer those into a best raw folder and then import into Lightroom and go from there. But uh, I just really love it. It's quick. It's fast. Uh, as far as, a, you know, just to call, it's amazing. So Photo Mechanic is my pick of the week. Excellent. So you, you can't do any editing in, in Photo Mechanic? You can. You know what? I think I only scratched the surface of what that program can actually do. Um, so I only use it to tag my images. Um, you know, I can copy files from folder, but I, that's really what I use it for. But I don't think it's a raw editing software. But I know it does a bunch more stuff. Um, you know, maybe in the future we could have a listener uh, – call up or, you know, and questions or comments and say, oh, I use photo mechanic for this or that, or, you know, we will just throw out a quick tip in the future. Yeah. Sounds good. Sounds good. Good pick. Again, we'll have a link to that in the show notes. Brian, how about you? Have you got a pick ready to go? I do have a pick. All right. So this is like a little bit different, but <laughs> one of the things, if we're talking about off season and we're talking about spending time in your business, working on your business, as opposed to working in your business, like we often do when we're in the busy season, when we're shooting and editing and all those kinds of things. One of the things that I find to be super effective is to really just set aside time, get in the zone to work on whatever it is you're wanting to work on, put your head down and just do it, you know, and like, whether I'm sitting and working on a marketing plan, or I'm working on my marketing calendar for the coming year, or I'm redoing some of my prices, I just like I like to just get in the zone, be distraction free and just get in it and do it. And one of the things that I use um, all the time when I write or when I do anything um, on business building is a, a little program called or it's a website called Focus at Will. And it's uh, just focus and then at dot uh, com. And basically what it is, is it's um, it's music, it's background music, but it's it's neuroscience um engineering in terms of like it's music that helps you focus and helps you stay in the zone and there's all kinds i mean there's there's certain instruments that distract us as human beings anything that sounds like a voice will distract us as a human being um there's certain sounds and certain tempos that get us more in the flow and then also what's even further than that is if you're going to focus for say an hour on one specific task our minds go in all these different kinds of waves in terms of when we're most likely to get distracted and when we're not going to get distracted well, Focus at Will has all that science, and so it plays music based on your preferences that will help keep you in the zone and, and not get distracted. And so uh, I love it. Like I, I live by it. I, I couldn't write without it. So whenever I sit down to write an article or do any kind of business building, I plug in Focus at Will. I go to the website. I go full screen so I have no distractions, and I either write on paper or I'll write in a full screen app like ByWord or in WordPress or wherever it is that I'm writing. And it really helps keep me in the zone and keeps me... Uh, from getting distracted. So focus at will.com. It's a great app. Ooh, I'm going to have to check that out. That, that beats my uh, listening to the dance beat 
you know, remixes on Spotify. Maybe that's, maybe that's why I can't focus for more than two minutes at a task <laughs> dancing away. Yeah. Well, it's just interesting because I remember listening to an interview with uh, the CEO of Focus at Will. It's actually a huge company. They've got like 20 employees there or something. And there's all kinds of science behind like the art of being distraction free and the art of actually being in a zone. And there's all kinds of, like I said, certain instruments that, that help us you know, from, from getting distracted, some instruments that will actually distract us. And and one of the things is that, you know, oftentimes in my studio, I'll have Christmas music playing, which is right now, or I'll have just, you know, John Mayer playing easy listening and the human voices just, we may not recognize it or realize it, but human voices distract us. And so when you're trying to focus on something and get in the zone and just sort of be in that moment and doing something, um, if you're listening to something that's got a human voice in it, it's, it's you may not recognize it, but it is distracting you. So if you want to really just dial in and focus on working on your business and just kind of you know crush crush that productivity wise, Focus at Will is a great tool. And there's a free version of it too that you can check out for free. Cool. So yeah, I can't recommend it enough. Excellent, great, excellent pick. I will check it out. Cool. Help and stay Bruce? focused. Well, my pick this week is a workflow. And, uh, one of the things, you know, when you're in, in your slower season or like you say, not in, you know, in the, in the business, but working, you know, on your business is implementing new, possibly p- new pieces of software or new programs. And one of the tools that I have, and for those who are uh, watching the, the video, we've got the video here. I'm going to put this up. Um, you can see mm. this is a fancy keyboard. Um, and this is made, uh, my friends, uh, Dave and Quinn down in Calgary, uh, DQ Studios, uh, they're behind this great product. It's called Motiboto and it's a software and hardware, um, solution. You can get, it comes just as like a skin that you can go over, over top your keyboard. It's, it's like a silicone skin. Um, and what it is, is it's essentially touch typing for Lightroom. So if you're a Lightroom user and you find it's taking you a long time to go through and not necessarily call, but do your editing, um, but you can for calling. Robert mentioned uh, Photo Mechanic is sort of what he uses to call first and then does his editing in Lightroom. But I do most of my calling and, and my editing in Lightroom, and I found that this really speeds the process up. Mm-hmm. So essentially what it does is it maps to positions on the screen so that you have keys for all the different sliders that are in the majority of, you know, your major sliders, right? So you have for exposure, you know, plus and minus your, you know, your, your highlights, your shadows, you know, all basically all those little sliders that you used to have to kind of, you know, use your mouse and navigate, you know, that takes time. This replaces all of that and lets you, um, use the keyboard instead. So I, I found it was, you know, great to speed up my workflow and it got me, you know, calling and editing my, you know, weddings probably in half the amount of time that it was taking me before, but it takes a little while to get used to it. Um, so, you know, when we're in off season is a good time to start, you know, working with it and get familiar with it so that you're not trying to like jump into it in the middle of the season. So it's called Motibodo. And again, we'll put a link to that in the show notes for this episode. Do either of you guys use Motibodo? I do, I not. do not. No, <clears throat> check it out. It's a, it's an excellent product. So excellent. All right, that's our picks of the week. So next, uh, we want to dive in, and we're going to answer another listener question. Um, this week, we've got a question, and it's from Erica. And Erica wants to know when do you find is the best time of year, tax wise, to make large equipment purchases, and does that matter? So now, caveat here. 
We are not tax experts or accountants, so any advice we provide is for educational and informational purposes only. As always, consult your actual accountant. You're doing the Brian disclaimer right now. Yeah, that's the Brian disclaimer. Um, But in general. in the mirror look smaller than they appear. Yes, yes. So how about you guys? What what advice do you have for Erica here in terms of when when's the best time of year to make big equipment purchases? Let me go first, Brian. Yeah, go ahead. So it depends on a. I think you have to ask what how your company set up, whether you're an LLC, whether you're a corporation, uh, you know that type of thing. Uh, Robert Evans Studios Inc. is a corporation. Uh, I run on a fiscal year, uh, so. Uh, September 1st to January, or October 30th. And um, generally, if I'm going to do that, to be specific, you know, my accountant will say, well, you have X amount of dollars showing profit. There's a lot of variables. It depends on, you know, do you want to zero your corporation out and like you broke even? Do you want to show a profit? Do you want to show a loss? I mean, generally, my accountants, you know, you, you know, want to uh, get your bottom dollar down to, you know, either zero or not show a huge profit because ultimately if you're showing a profit, you're going to pay taxes on that. So then the question is, do you want to pay the government that money or do you want to take the money that you do have and buy equipment, give yourself a bonus, pay yourself a dividend, those type of things. So, I mean, of course you want to buy your equipment and things as you need them. Um, but then at the end of the year, if you do have cash and a good profit left in your business, that might be the best time to get that uh, number closer to zero. But again, that's the preference of you and your accountant and the type of business that you have. Excellent. Brian, what are your thoughts? On yeah, I mean, I, I would, uh, I'd echo what Robert says. Um, Again, with the, with the the precursor that this is not you know tax advice, but this, you know my my suggestion would be that no matter how no matter when you spend this money on this piece of equipment, um, you're not really going to see the full write off of it in that current year, anyways. Because any equipment that is over a certain dollar amount, again, your your you know accountant would be able to advise you on this. It's not written off, anyways. It's accrued over an extended period of time. So whether you buy it today or at year end, it doesn't really matter for tax purposes because it still would get put onto the year end and then would get accrued over the next several years. Um, I, I would suggest two things. And I know this doesn't have anything to do specifically with taxes, but number one, I would say for cash flow reasons, it would make sense for you to buy the equipment when you're in the busier season. So when you've got the money coming into the studio, you're not going to put yourself into a pickle in the off season where you're kind of, you know, a couple months without any big wedding or any big shoots. Um, So that would make sense cash flow wise to do it that way. But I would also argue that if you have set up your business properly and if you have done your, um, you know, projections and you've done your budgeting and you've given yourself an allowance in your annual budget as a photographer, uh, really that money should be there and you should be able to spend it whenever you need to make the purchase. Um, so, you know, that's, that's on paper. <laughs> I'd like to say every photographer budgets themselves that way. I don't think that, that every photographer does it that way. And so I would say that once you've established that it's a necessary expense and you have the money in your account in order to be able to afford it, I'd say go ahead and do it because either way it's going to be put on to the year end. And so whether you, you know, do it halfway through the year or at the end of the year, it's still going to be on that year's books. And so I, I would just say it's more of a personal preference in terms of when it makes sense for you financially 
to make that kind of purchase. Yeah, for sure. I think what you find too is a lot like if you're dealing with any big corporations or, or you know, government organizations and things like that, a lot of times you'll see they'll do a lot of spending right at the end of their fiscal year. Right. Well, the reason a lot of those companies or corporations or government to do that is because if they don't spend it, then they don't get the money the next year, typically, yeah. right? So if they yeah. if they show, oh well, you, you had you had excess, oh we'll just take that excess away from you. Obviously, you didn't need that much. So, but it's a little different when you're running, you know, businesses yeah. like we're running, right? Yeah, um, we should be lucky to have that problem. That would be nice. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice. So um, I think my advice would just be don't don't go into debt for things that you don't really, really need. Um, yep. I think you want to monitor that very carefully because, you know, it can be particularly if you're just relying on wedding photography. I know here where we live, it's, it's quite seasonal. So there, you know, there's really good months and then there's three or four months where it's, it's pretty quiet and you're looking for, you know, where, when's that next check going to come in, right? Uh, to cover all the other bills. So you want to make sure that you're not putting yourself in debt. Um, what are your guys thoughts? Just, and again, we probably do a whole show on this, but just briefly, what are you guys' thoughts on leasing equipment? Well, that, that came to mind when Brian was talking because, again, that comes back to, you know, like if you, if you lease something, as Brian was saying, um, you know, you can write off your whole lease payment. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you buy something, it's a depreciation from your accountant. And if you need the write-off or not, like my accountants used to encourage me to like lease my cars because they wanted the deductions and you know, you, the lease payment was generally a little bit more and you can write off the tax and all those things, uh, as then a depreciation is. And that's my accountant's opinion. But, um, so yeah, it just really depends on lease or buy. And I think, you know, the obvious is it seems silly too. You know, we buy computers and we buy cameras, um, and we chunk out all that money, but we use them for a year or two before we replace them. And it'd be great if we could just quote unquote rent them, you know, and pay for them a little bit as we go, because that's how we work. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's just, again, it's a personal preference and what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Some good suggestions there. So hopefully that will help Erica out again, as always contact your tax or accounting professional for further advice. All right. So we want to dig into this week's topic and uh, we sort of came up with the, the idea of kind of how to turn the off season into your on season. So for a lot of wedding photographers, you know, again, this is going to vary from, you know, depending on the geographic region that you're in, but typically for a lot of wedding photographers in North America anyway, sort of that January to April time frame um, tends to be a little bit of a quieter season as far as weddings go. Again, there's always exceptions. Uh, you know, my friend Melissa lives down in Phoenix, for example, and that's more of her, that's when they're busier because it's more comfortable temperatures in the middle of summer. But, um, you know, after those busy months, you know, it's, it's pretty tempting. You could, you know, you've maybe been busy for quite a few months. It's really tempting to like, kick back, put your feet up in front of the TV and just kind of, you know, binge watch, you know, for shows on Netflix and, and whatnot. But uh, we wanted to talk today and just share some advice and some thoughts on kind of how you can, how the off season is really that perfect opportunity to work kind of on your business. Like Brian said earlier, we spend a lot of our time working in our business. So that off season is that great time when you can get in and work on your business. And specifically, it's, it's, 
perfect time to work on, you know, a few different aspects of your business. So we want to kind of dig into a couple of those topics today and just sort of share our experiences and talk about some of the things that we do during our slower times to work on our business. And hopefully that'll be some good advice and give some action items for our audience that they can kind of take away and hopefully work on. So um, let's maybe start with Robert. Um, what's your, do you have kind of an off season? Is, is it typical for you to have a bit of a quieter time around this time of year? Or do you find your years a little more spread out or? It varies from year to year, but yeah, I would say, you know, January through March, maybe a little bit of December through March, um, can be slower. You know, I've had slower and busier, but yeah, I mean, I think in those months, like I tend to, you know, we refocus on, you know, look at your pricing. Should you raise it? Um, you know, establishing that, um, I'll spend a lot of time, you know, I think marketing in the sense that like, uh, reconnecting maybe with relationships with planners and florists and people that I haven't heard from in a while or maybe that you didn't work with this year. Because, um, you know, again, we've talked about this on this show before, but business is all about relationship. And, you know, out of sight, out of mind is true when it comes to that. You know, I've done those things like in the off season and I reach out to somebody and just say hi and maybe we have a phone call and connect and like, there it is. Like two weeks later, I'm getting a referral from them because they're thinking about me. You know, uh, maybe it's coincidence. Maybe it's not. I mean, I don't think it is in some cases. Um, again, like, you know, budgeting for the year, you know, I'll do that. But I think I spend a lot of time um, doing that. just kind of reaching out and making those connections when it is a little bit slower. Of course, maybe a little uh, spring cleaning and starting up the office and, putting stuff away and organizing and systems. And I know for me, like I'm kind of pushing towards going paperless and wanting to get rid of papers and those things. So it's, it's not something that you can snap your fingers and make happen overnight. Uh, so working towards that. Um, and I do market myself in other areas in warmer clients in slower months. Um, so, you know, I'll concentrate, uh, you know, right now, just before that, you said, are you know, a planner in Phoenix right now? Like, reach out, hey, you got somebody, you know, it's a little last minute, I guess, but, you know, even even thinking about that in June so that by December, you might be shooting a wedding in warm Phoenix if you live in a cold climate. Um, but that's that's kind of what I do. Um, I do just a little business revaluation, you know, again, a little bit talking to the accountants, you're sort of prepping for taxes, your personal taxes, because those don't run on a fiscal year. And uh, gathering all that stuff up. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I personally hate the accounting side of my business, but we have to do it. Uh, I mean, there's little things you at least have to do, but I have a bookkeeper and an accountant, but you know, it still is annoying pain in the side. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what I do. I mean, it's pretty basic and general, but I mean, I think it's good to think about and, you know, be, I think the most important thing is to be, uh, intentional instead of like, you, I know you joked about putting your feet up and watching movies. And yes, you do have that. You worked hard all season. Do take some time to yourself and enjoy that and enjoy your families. And, you know, but, but even like that budget, like Monday and Tuesday, I'm going to sit on my butt all day and watch Netflix, but Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday, I'm going to work on my business. You know, it can even be that way. Like it's just life is about a balance and sometimes it's even hard to figure out the balance, but you know, if you do it and like, I think Brian was talking to it with this pick, like literally sitting down and taking the time to put your mind to something is when something actually happens. So that's my 
three cents. All right. Well, I want to dig in. I want to ask you some questions specifically around yeah. the pricing thing. But let's let's go, pop to Brian for a second. I want Brian to talk a little bit about what he sort of his general kind of an overview of what he does in kind of the off season. And is is January to April kind of is that your slower season as well or? Yeah. So traditionally, I mean, seventy percent of my work is a, is is wedding photography, and so being that I'm in Canada here, we don't have a lot of weddings in January, February, March, even getting into April, just because it's snowy, colder, it's kind of risky, that kind of thing. And so it's definitely slower. Although I do have a wedding on Valentine's Day next year, which is going to be kind of cool. Hmm. Um, oh yeah, no, I mean. Wh- What's that? Sorry. No pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, we have to get sound effects for the show, yeah. I think, guys. Um, Someone has a drum. <laughs> yeah, a little soundboard off to the side. Yeah, so, so I mean, you know, the winter time is definitely off-season for me. Um, this year, not so much just because I'm speaking all over the place and doing that thing. Cause that's when workshop and convention season is. Mm-hmm. And so I'll be doing less, uh, sitting around and watching Netflix <laughs> than I normally <laughs> would be cause I'll be preparing for all that stuff. But you know, one of the things that I have always enjoyed about the off season is taking time to, I mean, we talked about it working on versus working in, but it's like, um, there's another podcast called The Fizzle Show, and I and I love the guys over there at fizzle.co, and they talk about this analogy called like worker bee versus CEO mode. And it's like when we're in the wedding season, we're in like worker bee mode. Like we are kind of our own employee, like doing the work, doing the shooting, doing the editing, in, you know, doing things. But once we can kind of pull out of that in the off season, we can turn into CEO mode and, and really kind of like evaluate our business, evaluate our systems give ourselves an audit, like, you know, w- w- how were we as employees of our own company when we were in worker B mode? Like, were we the most productive we could be? What are the systems that we were using? Can we, you know, finesse those a little bit? Can we fine tune some of our processes in the studio? What's our pricing look like? Are we profitable? Are we actually making sense with what we're doing? Um, what did our sales look like? So, like, I really like to look at off-season as a great time to, like, turn on focus at will get into some like really sexy spreadsheets and start to like analyze. I know like those words never go together really, right? <laughs> sexy and spreadsheets, but you know, really just start to analyze what was the last year? Like, what did that look like? Like how were things? Because when we're in, in worker B mode, it's often really hard to step out and make the CEO type decisions. It's hard for us to say, Oh, well, like, I can't believe that actually, you know, 90% of my income came from the 20% of my weddings that I shot at X venue or whatever it was. You know, I, I, I can't believe that my average portrait sale was actually $350 less than what I had projected it to be and that I needed it to be in order to meet my projections and my budgets. It's hard for us to see that when we're in that mode because we're just busy, we're crazy, we're doing it, we're a worker bee. And so when we can get out of that and get into CEO mode, we can actually look back and that's where I like getting into spreadsheets. And I know it sounds really like uh, spreadsheets, really, but sit down, do it. Like sit down with your accountant if you have to do it, or sit down with someone else and like kind of hash out these kinds of ideas. Because if you can, if you can plug all these things into a sheet and say, okay, uh, you know, this is what my average wedding sale was. This is what my average portrait sale was, and then go even deeper than that and say, well, like you know, my highest paying weddings. Where were those? Like, are there any similarities between those? What were the couples like? What were their professions? Um, how did they find me? Who referred them to me? You know, th- those kinds of things. I think that we can be really strategic about planning our business for the coming years if we actually take that time to sit down and play CEO 
and audit ourselves in our business. I mean, I'm talking about numbers specifically in that example, but I think that we can do that in a lot of ways. I think that if you were um, really intentional, and I love that word, I use intentional all the time because I think it's so important. And I love Robert that you said that as well. Um, being intentional about, you know, so we're in the offices and we say, okay, let's, let's evaluate my workflow. You know, what does my album design workflow look like? Um, was I kind of stumbling over myself? Was I taking too long? Did albums take too long to get to clients? What was that communication process like? What was the revision process like for my clients? How can I refine that workflow or that process or those systems that I use in my business to be more effective, more productive, and a better salesperson next year? And I think that when you can stop and really look at those things and put them, you know, put pen to paper and write those things down and see them on spreadsheets and really evaluate yourself, then you can make decisions to be a smarter business person and a smarter photographer for the coming year. And if we're intentional about doing this year after year after year, you can imagine after five years, you're going to be a hundred times better than you were the first year. <laughs> so that's, that's what I love to do in the off season is to really like be the CEO of myself and evaluate myself and my systems as if I was the employee of my own company, which I am. Right. Excellent. Well, and I think just like a quick comment before you go, Bruce, um, and this is true probably about most artists, but I think most people who are listening to this can really agree that like, you know, we become photographers because of the passion and the love of it. And we have to learn to become business people. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, including myself, I didn't have business background or business class. I had good mentors and people that I could ask questions of. But I mean, I think it's one of those things where we do have to be disciplined and really, you know, you can't ignore that side of your business. Yeah, absolutely. And that exercise that you just talked about, Brian, is, you know, it's good. Just, you know, forcing yourself to, all right, let me evaluate what I did last year and look at, look at myself. You know, you can be your own critic and it's a little less painful as long as you're honest. You know, it's not somebody else telling you that. And then do something about it. Yeah, I, I think even too, and, 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 you know, good point, because a lot of the times I do have that love for business. And so I often will go into that tangent. But I think that you can really apply even those same principles uh, creatively and photographically. You know, you look back at your year and say, you know, am I happy with the work that I was producing as an artist, as a photographer? Where was I struggling? Like, was there, was there a common thread between weddings that was like, eh, was I, was I struggling with posing that I have a hard time at receptions getting lighting going? Like, I think you can do that same kind of audit in the off season, uh, even creatively and then improve yourself as a photographer that way. One exercise that I did, uh, for the first couple of years that I was in business and I'm so thankful that I did because I, re- I think it really skyrocketed, um, my career as a photographer is after every single wedding and every single shoot, I know it seems really monotonous. I would come home and I would kind of have like a postmortem where I would like write down, here's what worked, here's what didn't work, here's what I think I can do better next time. And I just kind of kept an ongoing like scratch pad of those notes. And then in the off season, that's when I was able to look at that and say, wow, okay, so I wrote down the fact that I struggled with posing, you know, 70 times, (laughs) I think I need to, you know, work on my posing. So maybe I need to set up some shoots, maybe I need to go to some workshops, read some books, what can I do to improve that part of my creative ability. And that's how you can really be strategic and intentional about what you're doing and how you're growing as a photographer. Yeah, right. that's a good point. I think another thing that's an, one of the things that you can do is you kind of analysis, you know, paralysis by analysis. Sometimes you can give yourself so many to do's. Like it's, yeah. you get, like you say, you got caught up in that worker bee during the, the season and you don't have the time necessarily to work on all those other aspects of your business that maybe you want to focus on. Mm-hmm. So you end up with this big laundry list of things. Here's all the great things that I want to do. I'm going to redo my website. I'm going to redo my pricing. I'm going to get new albums. I'm going to learn Photoshop. I'm going to learn, you know, to improve this <laughs> skill. And, and you get so many things on your 
plate that you sit back and go, oh, what am I going to, oh, wait a minute, Orange of the New Black is on. I'll get into that. And it's easy <laughs> to like fall into that trap of I have so much to focus on that where do I start? Where do I begin? So I think um, you, you really need to be intentional, like like Robert said, and you need to look at that list and say, what is what is realistic and not try to tackle everything. You have to realize right. that, you know, this, it's going to be a process of building a business and building your wedding photography businesses. It's going to take years. It's not going to happen yep. magically overnight. And you need to really take the the time, I think, to identify some of those things. So like, like you said, identify what are the areas that are going to help improve my business? Um, what are the areas that are going to help improve me creatively? And then pick some of those. You have to cherry pick some of the ones that you think are going to help you the most, particularly if you just say you're just starting out. You have to figure, you know, figure out a little bit where is the biggest bang for, for the buck going to be. You know, if you have a horrible website and that's not, you know, attracting and generating a lot of traffic, maybe that's where you need to focus your efforts on. Maybe, you know, once you're established and you're getting lots of, of leads and referrals coming into your website, now maybe you can shift your focus to something, you know, improving a particular skill set or getting better at your workflow or your delivery. So I think just, yeah, not trying to take on too much in any one time and really focusing on, on a couple of key aspects of your business. Right. Yeah, I, I think it's good almost like at the beginning of the off season, spend some time to really mind map those things and, you know, like... I think it's okay to do, you know, there, there's this concept and David Allen talks in his book, Getting Things Done, about the idea of a mind dump, where it's kind of like, get everything out of your head, you know, like all these things that you want to do, you don't like your website, you don't like this, you don't like this, you want to improve this, get it out of your head and, and give yourself permission to just dump that somewhere, put that on a whiteboard, put it on a piece of paper, do whatever you need to do, and then take a break from it, take a couple days off and just, you know, let, let that kind of, let your mind gather itself again because you just you've just taken all these things out of there and now your mind can relax and and stop thinking about all those things but then come back to that list and like bruce what you're saying is like kind of strategize and prioritize like these are all the things that that i'm not happy with or that i want to fix or that i want to work on where do i start uh how can i prioritize those highlight them put them on the list and and give yourself permission to not necessarily dive deep into every single one of them um, give yourself permission to do one of them at a time, refine it, you know, practice it, get good at it, whatever that specific thing is, and then move on to the next one and kind of do it in lockstep like that. I think that's a really good point. Yeah. Robert, I wanted to ask you, you had, you had mentioned about sort of getting out there and connecting with vendors. Um, yeah. Maybe talk to that a little bit more and give some advice or some – what are the, some of the things that you would do? I know one of the things that I'm working on this year is going through all my weddings this year and setting galleries up for some of the different vendors like the venues and the florists. And then dumping anything that I had from my weddings that related to that venue. And I'm going to share that out. What, what would be some of the things that you would suggest or, you know, maybe if you don't have those deep relationships yet with the vendors, how would you suggest, you know, sort of getting in there and connecting with them and deepening those relationships? Um, again, we've talked about this on the show before. Um, business, I've said it before about a relationship. I, I think it's so important to get in front of someone. It's that one on one relationship. Whether you want to take them to lunch, coffee, breakfast, like when I invite people to do something like that, I'll give them the option. I'll go to breakfast with you. I'll go to lunch with you. I'll have drinks with you. I'll have coffee with you. We can have dinner. You choose. That way I'm opening it up to whatever time of day works best for them. And believe it or not, a lot of people opt for breakfast. And I'm like, fine, because then I could do a lunch appointment if I really wanted to. I mean, I'm done with that and I'm, I'm moving on. Um, you know, I mentioned I'm traveling this week and I've had a couple appointments and I've taken a planner to lunch, you know, just reconnected. She sends me a couple jobs a year. I haven't seen her in a while. 
just sat down, talked with her. We spent like, you know, three hours together. Like I just figured it'd be an hour and a half lunch. And she, she was like, don't go, Robert. She's like, let's just, let's just, I'm like, all right, I have no other things to do. I'll sit with you. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's just like, and not talking about business per se, just talking about, you know, again, it's important to, to listen and ask and inquire about them, get people talking about themselves. Like what's going on in your life? You know, just sort of try to be a friend. I mean, there's relationships where you have closer relationships with people than not. Um, but I think, like, even on a – let's take a cold call, you know. So, yeah, so these are people – I'll reach out because I market in different cities. You know, like, I try to go all over. And, you know, I'll go to a city like Chicago, for instance. I've, I've personally never shot a wedding in Chicago. I've shot in ton of places. And so, like, I'm seeking out different uh, planners in Chicago, and I, I'll plan a trip. I'm, I'm in the process. And, and uh, you know, identify who. I'll start with an email and say, you know, this is who I am, and I'd like to come – meet you and you know are you free this week because i'll and i'll try to cram as many of those in in a week so even if you want to get out of the market that you're in and you just want to get out of your own little town or whatever i mean you can try that and i go i have lunch with them i bring my book and i sit down with them and i but i talk with them i show them my book you know of course that's important you want them to like your work mm-hmm. And you just might find that there's some that are looking for a fresh, new face, someone different, even though they have their local people that they like and their go-tos. But, you know, you know, I always tell planners, I'm like, if I do one wedding with you a year, I'm happy. You know, when I want you to match me to that perfect client where you know it's my personality, they'll get my style, they get me. Um, and and they like that because I'm not I'm, – I'll tell them right to their face, I don't want to be the guy that you send 10 weddings to. If we do one or two weddings a year, I'm happy, you know. So that's kind of how I approach it. And um, something that you mentioned right at the top of this question, Bruce, was that you're going to go through your galleries and, you know, put together. I think that's a great idea. Uh, I'll take that one step further. I do that after each wedding. The first person that I send images to or all the event, I create a gallery and I send it out to my vendors that they can pull images within a week or two of the wedding. Mm. Get that done so that they can, and people will love you to death for that. I hope to get to that by next year. <laughs> that was one of those top projects on the burner to get to yeah. in the slower you time. Just make it part of your workflow. Yeah. Make it part of your workflow and get images to those people. Just think about them from their perspective. So they can blog, they can use it as a marketing tool. They can, you know, that's how they do it. They'll either use it for a blog. I've had people, of course, they love an image. They want to use it in an ad. But I think more so I find them like using it in sales. You know, they just did this job. It's exciting and fresh to them, especially a designer or planner. It's something that they're doing right now. In six months from now, excuse me, they might not be doing that look anymore and they don't care about it. But if you catch it while it's hot, then you get it to them. So that that's one thing that I do that works really well. Um, and it really makes people happy. And, and think of everybody. Think of the makeup artist. Think of the cake person. Of course, the location and the planner and the designer and anybody else, the lighting people, the anybody else that you can think of that would benefit from having images to show their work. Again, I, we've talked about this on the show, too, about how, you know, there'll be another photographer at your event shooting images. Well, if you want to stop that, then, you know, make sure you get good images and you get them to your people and they'll start asking you instead of somebody else to show up and do it. Yeah, that's awesome advice. You mentioned a book. What what do you bring with you when you're meeting with them? Is that on an iPad or do you have an actual printed portfolio no, I book? Have a, I told you, I think, in an earlier show that I use Couture books. Okay, yep. Uh, and if it were right, I do have it, but... um I'll show it in the next show maybe a bit. Um, 
but yeah, it's like a physical, but I say my couture book, my portfolio looks like, um, you purchased it in a museum bookstore. Mm. It's like that quality of a book. And when I put that down in front of people, they're like, wow, like, do you sell this? And I was like, no, it's just my portfolio. I probably could, I guess if there was a concept behind it, but, um, but it's very impressive and they look at it and they're like, wow. And so right away before they even open that book, they're like, okay, you know, I've set a tone and then they start flipping through the images and loving. And and I have, you know, 20 plus years of images. And every time I reprint it, I reprint it maybe one or two times a year um, because there's new images, of course, that I want to add to it. So the hardest part then is what images do I 86 out of the book and replace because I pretty much have it maxed out. Um, So that's always the challenge for me. But again, it's sort of, you know, you got to keep putting your fresh work out there, but there's nothing wrong with an iPad or your phone, you know, especially if that's all you happen to have or, but I personally, like, I think a tangible book and somebody touching it, feeling it, smelling it, um, and going through it is just, you know, it's a, it's a different presentation. It's sort of like, I think you could compare it to now we send texts and emails, but if you send someone a handwritten note in a card where there's handwriting, they're like, they pay attention to it. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Excellent. Brian, how about uh, you, um, in terms of your, you know, you like systems and studying a lot of that stuff, you mentioned sort of spreadsheets. If somebody didn't know anything about that, like if they were just like clueless on that end of things, what advice would you give or how, how would they get started on kind of analyzing their business? Where would you, where would you start? <laughs> Everyone's like, this guy likes spreadsheets. I haven't opened up Microsoft Excel in years. <laughs> Everything's in a shoebox. You got receipts yeah. everywhere. What do you What do you do? Where do you start to if you want to start to analyze some of that data? Oh gosh, you know, there's there's so many. Uh, I guess let's let's look at it this way. What do you want to analyze in your business? And that's the question you really want to ask yourself. Like where. If, if you're in this off-season mode and you're looking at making changes and revisions and, and you know, giving yourself an audit, um, ask yourself the question before you do anything. I think this is really important to have the intent behind it is wh- what, do you, what are you wanting to look for? What are you wanting to find? What are you wanting to improve? Um, let's take the example of let's just say um, – you know, I'm, I'm not really sure what my prices were like this year. I mean, I was kind of all over the place. I changed a couple times. I didn't really have any consistency. When people called, I would kind of be like, I'm not really sure. Here's this price. I'd kind of fudge numbers. Maybe that's your problem. So if that's what you want to improve and you want to get a really, you know, a better understanding and a better grasp on your numbers, then let's sort of let's look at it that way and say, what needs to happen in order for me to feel confident and comfortable and happy with where I'm at with that? So now you can start to say, this is what I want to do. And you can say, okay, obviously I need to redo my prices. So let's look at, you know, what are the ways that you can price yourself as a photographer? What are your cost of goods? What are the inputs into the products that you're selling? What's your markup going to be? What are your ongoing expenses? Like, let's look at putting together, um, you know, a, a formula or a calculation or some kind of understanding, a good, a good compass on how I can start to gain a better understanding of my pricing as a photographer. And there's all kinds of resources out there for this. But that's just one example is that, you know, if, if that's the area that you're struggling with and that's the area you want to fix, then, you know, go, go forth with that purpose and try and fix that. Um, if it's something else like, you know, I'm not really happy with how my, how my sales were this year, my portrait sales on average were $350 and I really want them to be closer to a thousand dollars per portrait. You say, okay, what, what does that process look like currently for me? How, how am I selling prints to my, to my portrait clients? And you say, well, I'm sending online galleries and you say, okay, well, there's your first problem. <laughs> You're sending online galleries. Um, 
you know, let's study into what are the better ways that I can improve my sales as a photographer through pro select and in-person sales or going to their house and using something like Preveal. Um, you know, like let's study into those things and look at the systems that I use for that particular problem and how can I fix it? And so, you know, I, I don't think that there's like a, a one size fits all for this. It's more like, let's look at this like myriad of challenges that we may have to us as a photographer. What are the struggles that you're specifically having? Where are the areas of improvement that you'd like to see growth in? And let's try and strategize and figure out how can we go into those areas and dive deeper into them and really figure out some good solutions for those areas. Nice. Good advice. I know, I know for me, it's again, you get that laundry list and it's deciding, you know, where do I, where do I start? What do I, what am I going to work on? I know for me, one of the big areas that I look at is I, I, I like systems and I'm big on mm-hmm. workflow and anything that you can implement that can be, you know, uh, repetitive, you know, repeated and give you consistent results, I think is going to help you. So, you know, I know that, uh, just workflow could be such a simple thing you could break down and look at what is my workflow from the point where I shoot the wedding to, you know, delivering the final product to the clients and trying to change that when you're in the midst of your busy season. Again, mm-hmm. it's like trying to change the oil in the car while it's driving down the highway. You know, it's, it's, it's a little difficult to do that, right? So your off season is that prime time when you can sit down and take a look and say, well, what am I using? You know, photo mechanic, maybe that's something I haven't used before. Maybe that can help my workflow. Well, this is the you know, this off season time is a perfect time to, to invest in and take a look at a product. I'm, I'm pretty sure they've got a free trial, you know, of a lot of the software programs these days have free trials that you can try out. Right. And I I think it's tempting when you get a free trial, you get it, you you know, it's, you're, you're busy with your other editing and stuff and you put it aside and you never touch it. You want to take that off season time when you're not in the, you know, the busy mode of editing to really sit down and do a proper evaluation of whatever system or whatever workflow that you're looking at. Um, because it's, again, you try to do that when the car is driving down the highway and change the oil. It's, you're not going to have a good result and you're just going to go, Oh, that, that seems too complicated to use. I'll just go, I'll fall back to what is comfortable. What is my current routine? But maybe that current routine isn't working for you. It's not an efficient workflow and you're, you know, you're taking, you know, four months to get images to your client. What's the backlog? You have to identify, you know, where's that pain point? What's that backlog and how can you address it? And then looking at things like a workflow, for example, might be a way to, you know, alleviate, take some of that pressure off and get, you know, through your editing process a little bit quicker. So, right. And I want to ask one question and this is directed at Brian. Um, because as much as I know about you so far, I can make a little bit of a, maybe of a judgment and if I'm wrong, <laughs> um, I specifically want to talk about, and your opinion on it, yeah, uh, delegation uh, and leading to letting it go. Because I would guess you're the type of person that you said you have a new studio manager and you sound very excited and happy about that. But I bet that was hard for you. Yeah, it totally was. Th- this is the thing is as photographers, I mean, we even talked earlier when we talked about accounting. Um, you know, Robert, I'm like you. I have a bookkeeper and an accountant. I don't touch that stuff. I wouldn't touch that stuff with a 10-foot pole because – you know, for me, that's not where my time is best spent. And so my opinion on the idea of delegation or outsourcing is that we really have to be strategic as photographers. I mean, I mean, sure. Can I do everything in my studio? Yeah. I mean, you know what? I, I can probably print albums here if I want. I've got a great Epson 3880. I love the printer. I print personal stuff here. I can print all my clients' albums here, every single album. Um, is my time best spent finessing things like that, making sure the color is this and the this and the calibration and every day and doing this and then printing it and then driving it up to a binder to have it bound and picking a leather? It's like, is my time best spent there or is my time 
better spent doing what I need to be doing and then using a great company like Fineo that does all my albums and prints it to binds it to ships it right to my doorstep. My time is better spent there. And I think it's hard sometimes for photographers to look at something like anything. I mean, yeah, I have a studio manager. She's taking care of a lot of the correspondence now. She's mailing things for me. She's packaging things. She's, you know, doing all kinds of things to really help me so that I can just do what I do best in my studio. And and I'm not going to be as harsh to say that, you know, where's my time? Where do I make money? When I take pictures and when I sell prints, that's when I make money. Do I say that that's all I should be doing in my business? I think that that's a you know a utopia that doesn't exist. I wouldn't say that that's you know there are going to be some things I do in my business that I don't love, and I've also been doing this for ten years, and so I've gotten to the point where I can delegate and outsource because I have the income as a photographer that allows me to be able to do that and have a full time studio manager here. Most photographers aren't that way, but I think there's a lot of things in our business that. You know, the, the the nitpicker in us really doesn't want to, you know, consider outsourcing or whatever. I look at something as simple as, hey, if you're in the off season right now and you can recall a time not that long ago when you were in the busy season where you were editing until two o'clock in the morning. And I bet a lot of photographers listening to this can probably relate to this where, you know, if you've got back to back weddings and you're crazy with portraits and everything and you're editing nonstop, you get crazy busy in the off season. Well, maybe now or sorry, you get crazy busy in the on season. When you're in the off season now, maybe it's a time to consider, could I be outsourcing my editing? You know, you look at something as simple as, you know, a company like shoot.edit, you pay them 200 and some odd dollars a month. You can outsource unlimited weddings to these guys. Like you can give them every wedding and have them edit them. They'll get you 90% of the way there. And then you can take it back into your hands, put your little finessing on it. And it's got your style back on it. But is that worth your time? If you're spending 10 hours to edit a wedding times five, six, seven weddings, you know, a month is 80 hours a month worth $280 to you. I, I would say if you look at it strategically like that, it probably is. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I know, I know the, because I'm, I'm a perfectionist. And so I know the frustration of, of, or not the frustration, but the, the struggle of letting things go. But I think that we can really only achieve the success that we want to achieve as photographers and more so as entrepreneurs once we can learn to let some of the things go. And 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 for clarification, I don't mean let things go in the way of like lowering your standards of quality because that's not by any means what I mean. In fact, if anything, I think your standards of quality should be higher when you let things go. There are people out there that will do a better job than I will at editing. <laughs> my accountant does a better job with my bookkeeping than I does. Fineo does a better job calibrating their printers and getting beautiful prints than I will here in my studio. And so there are people out there that specialize in these in the individual singular tasks that we spend a lot of time doing that we would be, be better off outsourcing to them. So I think if you look at it that way as opposed to you're kind of getting it off your plate because you don't care about it or because it's going to come back with a lower quality. That's not the right mindset. I think instead it's like, there are people that do a better job at this than I do. Let me find them and outsource things that I don't love to do to them. Right. And I think the very, a very simple formula, which is not so simple, but like I want photographers to think about this is, um, the way to kind of figure out what you should and shouldn't be doing. You mentioned Brian, you are best at behind the camera shooting mm -hmm. Best at selling to your clients, mm -hmm. and I would say that's the majority. And, and vendors and other marketing yeah. things, yeah. all the other stuff. Technically, 
we shouldn't be doing. Um, but the, the easiest formula to figure out that is really to figure out what your billable hours are. And if let's say you bill at 500 an hour, because figure out maybe your wedding rate or whatever, or what you make of the day, and you bill at $500 an hour, is it even worth your time to cut your grass and spend an hour unless you really enjoy doing that? Or would you rather pay someone $100 a month to cut your grass four times a month? That's better use of your money and your time because you could be using that time you touch your grass to you know, sit down that hour it takes to send out some emails and market, which is going to do you a heck of a lot better. So like you said, people have, they're all at different stages of their businesses, but that's a very simple formula to say, what are you, what's your billable hourly rate? And then what could you pay somebody else to do other things? That's, that's a good point. And, and maybe let me, let me layer something on top of that. Cause I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. And what I would caution photographers, you know, with regards to that idea is that it's easy for us to say something like, okay, my time is worth, you know, X number of dollars per hour and, and you know, uh, I shouldn't be doing whatever X or, or I shouldn't be doing my retouching. So I'm going to hire a retoucher. That formula only makes sense if you make use of that time that the outsourced person is saving you exactly. <laughs> while you outsourcing yeah. it. Because if you outsource <laughs> it and then go and put your feet up and watch Netflix, well, that, that doesn't really make sense because then you're spending that $500 an hour watching Netflix. And so that doesn't really make sense. Right, right. You, you do have to be strategic when you outsource. You have to be strategic about that time you're saving in not doing that task and put it into something that will you know be beneficial for you in your business. Yeah, right. right. In some cases, it's okay to do that, especially building back into your family or things right. like that. But you're right. It's everything in moderation. You have to kind of consider yeah. all. Yeah, Awesome. Yeah, that's some great advice. And that's something that I'm still, you know, I'm considering next for next season is possibly outsourcing the editing piece. I know a few other photographers, you know, that I'm close with here in the city, they they did that in the last year or two. And they, you know, it, it, again, they had that much more time to work on other aspects of their business, or not go crazy and, re, you know, find a little bit of time to relax or spend some more time with their loved ones, you know, rather than being, you know, up till two in the morning and bloodshot and, you know, editing all night. Right. So that's just one example of a, a piece of your business. So that's some, some real, I'm glad, I'm glad you asked that question, Robert, cause that's a great, uh, you know, some really, really good advice. So I, I actually have, I have a sort of a thought that I could, that I think we could suggest to the photographer. And I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on this too. A lot of photographers really struggle with that idea of outsourcing editing on a number of capacities. I think you guys, you know, know where that can can be a pain point for photographers. Number one, they feel creatively it's not their work anymore, and number two, they have a hard time parting with something like a couple hundred bucks a month for something that they feel they could do themselves. Let me suggest an alternative if you're struggling with that. I mean, I think that we could really we could dissect those challenges, and again, we could probably have a whole episode on the idea of outsourcing your editing. Mm. But but let me let me present another option. Um, if you really aren't comfortable with with outsourcing your editing or with outsourcing your retouching, or if you have you know struggles with it, but yet you have the struggle of editing nonstop, and you know the feeling of being up till two o'clock in the morning when you're in the busy season, and you don't want to be there. Um, consider this for a second. How much work do you really think proofs need to have done to them? Now, I know this is I'm getting into a bit of a controversial idea, but if you were a better photographer and you focused on being a better photographer and you grew creatively to be the best photographer in camera as you can be, would there be anything wrong with shooting raw and JPEG and using the JPEGs out of camera as your proofs? Um, I only offer that because that's actually what I do. And so I don't do editing to my proofs. 
because I've spent all my time and energy and focus and attention on really being the best photographer that I can be as opposed to being the best Photoshopper that I can be. And again, I know that there's, I'm not discounting the value of editing and creative editing because I think there's a lot you can do. My style is crisp, clean, vibrant, and very, very, you know, um, uh, timeless. And so I don't do any of the trendy effects or the cross-processing or, you know, the vintage looks or anything like that. I want them to look just beautiful out of the camera. And so I've created profiles in my camera that I can apply to different settings so that my JPEGs are kind of processed coming right out of the camera. And therefore, those JPEGs, because I'm a tight shooter, because I've honed my skill on getting the right exposures, on getting the right light, on really, you know, if there's something in the background of a shot, I'll move or I'll hide it or I'll change it or whatever it is. So I'm being the best photographer that I can be. And therefore, I don't have to spend hours and hours and hours behind the camera. So if you're a photographer listening to this and you don't like the idea of outsourcing your editing, I would present the alternative of, well, then be a better photographer and edit less. I'm not saying you have to get to the point where you just deliver the JPEGs, but if you're a better photographer, you're going to have to do less work on the computer to your images. And so that might be a better way to spend your time in the off season is to really improve your creative abilities and, and work on your craft and be a better photographer so that when it comes time to the busy season, you don't have to spend all those hours behind the computer. And something to consider too. I mean, I agree with everything you said, Brian, because I'm the same way. I mean, I grew up shooting film, so yeah. I do it right the first time. Yeah. Um, one thing to also consider is like photographers are much harder on themselves and their work and what they're doing and, and want to do all that stuff when most of the time the clients don't know the difference. Mm-hmm. You could give them those images, your decent shooter right out of the camera and the JPEGs and they wouldn't know that you, I bet you they don't know that you spent, you know, 15, 20 hours in Lightroom just getting that image just perfect. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's it's to you and I get, and again, you know, the controversy here that you want to show it in, the, in its best light, uh, you know, et cetera. But um, most clients don't know the difference. And if you shoot raw plus JPEG, yes, you have the raws. And then when they pick their images for the book, you could always go back in and do it. And now yeah. you're, wow, you're blowing them away yeah. because they look even better than what they received before. Uh, you know, so that's also, you know, definitely something to consider. Awesome. Well, that is, I think we, we gave a lot of advice and a lot of different strategies and I think a lot of different things that, uh, people can work on in their, in their slow season, whenever, whenever that happens to be for you. I think a lot of the things we talked about today, we could certainly spin off into their own show. You know, it would be great to maybe, you know, revisit some of these things. We didn't really get to talking about, you know, things like pricing or redoing your website and, you know, all those other things you might do during the slower season. So I think those are all, you know, potential future topics that we can talk about. So. Good again, stuff. encourage everyone to if that's what you want, you know, tell us. Tell us what you want to talk yeah. about, and we'll consider that for future shows. Absolutely, absolutely. So as always, um, you know, we want to thank everybody for listening to the show. But we do, like like Robert said, we want your participation as well. Um, you can get a hold of us a number of different ways. So you can visit the website thisweekinphoto.com and head on over to the Twip Weddings section. Uh, you'll be able to comment on the blog post for this episode. You'll find all the links to everything we talked about today uh, in the blog post that will accompany this episode. You can also send us an email. Uh, you can email us at twipwed at thisweekinphoto.com or you can send out a tweet and just use the hashtag twipwed and we'll keep an eye out for that as well. You can use that to send us your questions, send us your show ideas. We'd love to hear your feedback on what uh, what you think of the show. Is it being helpful? Uh, you know, are you getting some, you know, some good information out of it? Are we entertaining enough for you? Do we need to tell more jokes? <laughs> <laughs> 
So, sadly, that brings us to the end of another episode of Twip Weddings. So, where can our audience keep up with everybody? Robert, where can everybody find you on the interwebs? Try to keep everything consistent. The website's robertevans.com. My Instagram and Twitter are at Robert Evans. Uh, Facebook, I believe, is Robert Evans Studios. And uh, Google Plus is uh, plus Robert Evans 101. And I wanted to talk about something really quickly that I just started. I just started a new Instagram account uh, that's called Sony Selfie. As many of you know, I'm a Sony artisan and a Sony photographer and love my Sony. So I started a Sony Selfie account for people to take pictures of themselves with their cameras, without their cameras, but really like talk about why they love their Sony cameras. So any Sony shooters out there, uh, I want you to start uh, posting on Instagram, tag it. Uh, hashtag Sony Selfie, or you, there's a way you can email me an image uh, and or submit via Tumblr. But uh, it's at Sony Selfie on Instagram. Awesome, Brian. How about Very you? Very cool. Where, where can we find you hanging out? Yes, my corner of the web, at least for photographers, is at SproutingPhotographer.com, and that's where I write. As you can tell, I love the business of photography, and so that's where I write all about the business of photography. Um, again, shameless plug. You know, photographers don't like the business side of it. I talk about spreadsheets like it's the next thing, you know, next best thing since sliced bread. And photographers probably tuned me out when I said that. Um, so photographers don't like those kinds of things. If you have any, you know, struggles with pricing or anything to do with the business like that, that's where I write. We, we go super in depth. We talk about concrete ideas. We keep it short. We keep it brief. We keep it actionable. So you can come in, come out of an article and have some real, you know, um, actionable steps to implement in your business right away. But also we have some free pricing calculators on the website at spreadingphotographer.com. So if you're having trouble figuring out what you should be charging for your, your wedding or a print or a product or your albums or whatever, um, you can go there and use the free pricing calculator. There's no commitment. You go right in, you punch in your numbers and we'll suggest you based on your situation. Here's what we would suggest based on a cost of goods model, what you should be charging for your, you know, specific product. So if you're struggling with that kind of stuff and don't want to get out the Microsoft Excel, like I would suggest that you do, then you can go and use a free price calculator. And again, that's uh, sproutingphotographer.com and everything else. You can find me uh, at BCAP photo on Instagram, Twitter, and everything like that. Awesome. Again, we'll link over to all those profiles and accounts and whatnot in the show notes. And if you're looking cool. for me, Bruce Clark, you can find me at my website, momentsindigital.com. And uh, most of the places you'll find me online, Instagram, Twitter, it's at Bruce Clark, Clark with an E. So, Bruce, Bruce, can I just say that if you were a super, I think you have a superhero kind of name. Do I? Every, every time you say your name, I'm just like, that's so cool. It's like Bruce Clark Kent. <laughs> yeah, it's like Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne. Bruce it's Clark. like it just sounds like oh, you, I think we need to make you a T-shirt or we need to get like a cape for the next episode or something because you've got a very cool name. The secret's out. I'm secretly <laughs> Batman and Superman together, <laughs> morphed into one. Yes. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, thanks again, guys. Another great show, and uh, thanks to listening. Thanks to our audience for listening to Twip Weddings, raising the bar one wedding at a time. <laughs> <laughs>